So you can imagine a lot has been going on since the last podcast episode I did. To catch you up, I did end up moving into a new apartment and now I've actually gotten most of my furniture. I've gotten the place organized. I've gotten some great new items, still working on payment plans on some of these things. And I recently just got two adorable kitty cats that I adopted. And I managed to find kittens that actually look, actually look just like the first cat I had blink eyes when I was a little kid. So I've been very happy about that. However, I've also been dealing with a work crisis recently that I'm not going to get into too much detail on right now, but it does kind of lead into a topic that I was going to talk about. In fact, the prior season I had some ideas on topics, but I was like, man, I haven't done this yet and I really should. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was basically how do you create a school shooter? Like I remember when Columbine happened, I actually was a senior in high school myself. And just so you know, there were actually a lot of shootings and things that were happening. And I heard all kinds of stories about this long before Columbine. Like if you saw the show, My So-Called Life, they had, and it's, they had an episode where there was a gun in a locker that basically, well, the gun went off and it hit the locker and they had this whole thing about it and they were discussing it. And if you haven't seen My So-Called Life, make sure you see it because it is a great show. I don't know if it's still available on DVD these days, but it was this wonderful show. It's sort of groundbreaking, kind of classic. So yeah, go check it out. But anyway, they were dealing with this school shooting topic and, you know, they were still dealing with it at the time of My So-Called Life, which was filmed long before Columbine happened. So I remember hearing about Columbine back in the day when that happened. And again, I was a senior in high school. I actually was dating this guy who had a friend who wore a trench coat. So I remember they apparently banned trench coats or like looked at him with suspicion because this guy had a trench coat and he would wear it. And I'm like, that's a bit absurd. And I also thought it was very interesting that, you know what, if I was going to do school shooting, I would do it right. And I remember thinking to myself about, you know, had I not had the friends I had in eighth grade, I probably would have engaged in that sooner or later because I was bullied severely. Like I was basically the smart kid and I got stuck in these smart classes with these kids who had a lot more money than me, who were basically totally nasty to me just because, oh, I didn't come from money. Let's see. That was one. I think another one was, oh, you're the quiet kid. And, oh, you're the smart kid, so you're also kicking our ass academically while you're also poor and you're also quiet. And personally, it was like I had to deal with all kinds of BS, like random guys coming up to me and being like, oh, he likes you, with a friend in tow. Then some other guy being like, you know, the friend saying, oh, no, he likes you and pointing to the first guy. And it's like, yeah, whatever, I really don't care. And it was just such bullshit. And it's like I kind of knew none of these people were interested in me anyway. So it's like, yeah, way to create a complex and make people not believe that they're qualified to model and all this stuff many years later. But that's sort of an aside topic. Though you may wonder, how in the world do you create a shooter? And how are you creating some of these incidents? And I think there are a couple of ways you can do that. One of which is basically, you'll notice in society, people will say, oh no, what a tragedy. Oh, this shooting happened. Oh, how horrible. But it turns out usually it's never somebody who was like a happy-go-lucky, somebody who had a bunch of friends, somebody who had all kinds of acceptance. It's never the jocks who do this. You never hear about the cheerleaders going off and shooting people. You never hear about like the popular kids, the beloved kids. You never hear about them going on these shooting sprees. No. It's always the loners. It's always the outsider. It's like the quiet kid is always doing this stuff. 
So it's like one of the ways if you don't want somebody to become a school shooter, it's like be nice to people. You know, befriend these people, find out shit about them, talk to them, have a conversation. Now, I mean, some people don't want to do that and some people shut you down, but some people won't. Some people will be like, yeah, I will talk to you. And I think some people, if you work on them, eventually they might actually open up to you and they might listen to you and might feel comfortable talking to you. But you have to open up to them. You've got to be authentic with them. You need to be sincere with them and you actually have to give a shit about them. You can't just go and pretend to be their friend because people see right through that. And I know I saw through that when people would try that with me or even if they still tried it with me now, I definitely would see right through it as opposed to somebody who legitimately cares, legitimately is sincere, who doesn't have a hidden agenda, an angle, something up their sleeve. So I think that's definitely one way if you want to stop people from doing shootings. Yeah, be a little bit involved. Actually talk to them. Maybe say good morning to them. Ask them how things are going. Pay them a compliment. You know, engage in them in society. Don't ostracize them. Don't further push them away to the corner and be like, oh yeah, they're a weirdo. Oh yeah, we're not dealing with them. And spread a bunch of rumors and make it where everybody's too scared to talk to them. You know, if you start doing that stuff, then you're just isolating them and it just makes it worse. And I think a lot of the reason that people get into shootings and they do this stuff, it's like you're not anything to them. So it's not like they care. And that leads to another thing of how you're going to create violent incidents and how you create a school shooting or something like that is they have nothing to lose. So if you take something, if you take things from someone, like you basically have given them no prospect of anything, they don't have a nice place to live. They don't have any animals to take care of. They don't have any kids to take care of. They don't have anybody who's looking out for them, who cares about them. No family members who really give a shit about their well-being. Nobody who's pushing them, encouraging them, being a big fat pain in the ass and saying, you know what, you can do this and I'm going to kick your ass and I'm going to be in your face till you do it. If you don't have that kind of motivation, it's like you have nothing to care about. So if people have nothing to care about and they have nothing to lose, that's a very dangerous prospect. Because people have nothing to lose, guess what? They're not worried about going to jail. They're not worried about being punished. They're not worried about losing anything because what the F are you taking away from them? They don't have a nice place to live. They don't have a job they've got to worry about. They don't have kids or animals or anybody who's counting on them. They don't have family, or at least in their minds, they don't have family who's really going to mourn them and miss them and will be devastated and shattered if they're gone. And it's like, it's a shame that when people pass away and people talk about what a great person the deceased was and how you just wish they were here and you could say something nice to them and you could do all this stuff. It's like, why the hell don't we get this when we're alive? How come people don't tell you this when you're living? It's like, it almost never happens. You almost never get that opportunity. And people almost never say that to you because I guess people are worried about being embarrassed and ego and saving face and so forth. So I've always felt like it's really important that if you have something burning in your soul and you want to say that to somebody, you should say it. Like years ago, I actually did say that to a friend of mine that I had when I was in middle school. Like I found her years and years later on Facebook. And I was like, I want you to know that it was because of your friendship that I didn't end up becoming a school shooter. I did not become like the Columbine guys. I didn't go plan that. And let me tell you something. If I'd done a school shooting... I'd have been very successful at it because I'm the type of person that's like, if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to do it half-assed. I'm going to do it right. So it's like, if I'd had bombs, those bombs would have been going off perfectly. None of them would have had problems. I'd have been 
going after specific people. I think, honestly, if I hadn't become a lawyer, I probably would have become a vigilante. But I've been going after specific people. And I would have had my own criteria for that. I would have known who I wanted to go for. I wouldn't have just gone after random folk, you know? I wouldn't just go walk up to somebody and say, do you believe in God? And if they told, told me yes, I'd shoot them. No. I would just go to people that had wronged me, people who had bullied me, people who really actually caused my ire and really made my life hell. That's who I would have gone after. And I guess it would have been difficult to argue an insanity defense, but maybe you could have argued some kind of crime of passion defense if somebody said something nasty to me and then it's like, boom, pulled out a pistol, blew them away after they said something offensive. Then yeah, maybe you'd have a crime of passion defense. I don't know. But I'm like, I would have been very, very targeted. I wouldn't have just gone after random people. I wouldn't go after innocent people. Because I feel like if you're going after innocent people, then guess what? You're going to be having to deal with a lot in the afterlife. Karma's going to come after your ass. The flying spaghetti monster. Whoever it is you believe in, Buddha, Allah, they're coming after your ass if you're going after innocent people, okay? They're going to attack you. You're going to have to deal with that shit. And it's probably not going to be good for you. So that's why I feel that perhaps if somebody really has nothing to lose and they're not worried about what their God is going to think about them or if they don't have religion, then yeah, they might be motivated to go and pick off random people. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like if I was going to do that, I would just go after the people who actually caused the problems, like the people who actually bullied me, the people who actually made slurs at me, not the people that they just existed, you know? Like, that's something I really don't get, the whole racism or religious bigotry, things like that. It's like, okay, why are we going after the random Muslim person who didn't do anything to you? Why are you going after the random black people in the supermarket who are just going out about their business, trying to get their food, probably getting some nice little item for their kids, going about their day. They're not bullying you, not calling you names. That's something I don't get, because I feel like that's, that's shit you're going to have to deal with in the afterlife. Somebody's going to be after your ass. Maybe the prison people will be after your ass if you go to jail and you stay alive and go through the trial and you get found guilty and you're going behind bars. I'm sure some inmates are going to have words with you about that, especially if you've gunned down little children. You've gunned down animals. I'm pretty sure they're going to be after your ass on that. You've gunned down somebody's dog. You've gunned down kitty cats. Somebody's going to be after you. But honestly, I do feel like if people have nothing to lose and they don't have anything to care about, then, you know, how are they going to possibly care about anything? And if they don't have anything to care about, it's like, yeah, you're going to be of no consequence to them. They're not going to be worried about your family or shooting them up and things like that. Because guess what? They have nobody who cares about them. They don't know what that feels like. So it's kind of like expecting somebody to care about grandparents in that relationship when they don't have, when somebody else never had a grandparent. It's like, that's how I feel about it, to be honest. Like some people, I think my ex-husband was one, or maybe, yeah, perhaps one of my, some of my ex-boyfriends talking about their relationships with their grandparents. It's like, well, I never had a grandparent who was alive. The only grandparent I knew died when I was five years old, so I had a little bit of a relationship with her, but for the most part, I didn't have grandparent relationships. So it's like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know anything about that. It's like, that's a foreign language to me. It's like if you were talking to me in Chinese, I wouldn't understand it. So that's where we're at. So I think somebody who's been isolated and somebody who's not had people show them true respect, they've not shown them friendship, they've not shown them that they'll be there for them. I mean, how are they going to possibly understand that relationship? How are they going to give a shit about gunning somebody down if they never had that? 
Now, I mean, of course, we have people who have mental illness and they're total sociopaths and things like that. That's a whole other story. Whole different subject. It's kind of like the difference between people who are depressed because, wow, they're in life circumstances where can you blame them? What response do you expect them to have? And having chemical issues and having something where they need medication and they could have the perfect existence and they're still depressed. And everybody's like, well, why are you depressed? Bit of a difference. But as I say, I've been in this situation and it's like, I need to warn people, you do not leave people with nothing to lose. Don't do it. Like even with the situation and handling racism and things like that and the whole cancel culture stuff, it's like if you leave those people with absolutely nothing, you leave them with no career, you leave them with no family, you leave them with nothing, they're not going to give a shit about anything. And who do you think they're going to come after? They're going to come after whoever took that stuff away. So guess what, little random Twitter user? Guess what? I don't know. Guess what, head of the cancel culture mob, whoever you are. I don't know. We'll find a name, I'm sure. Somebody will be looking your ass up and they will find you. And if you're the instigator and maybe even one of the instigators, it's like, God help you because somebody's going to be gunning for you. You can count on it. So you got to remember that. Keep that in mind. And I even said, if you really want to deal with the whole issue of racism and all that stuff, you can't be firing, getting people fired from their jobs. You can't leave them with absolutely nothing because people who have time on their hands and rage... They have time to plot. They have time to go annoy the local politicians and basically make them do their bidding and call them and call them and be a big fat pain in the ass. And you know what they say in life about squeaky wheels, the one that gets things done? That's what you're going to see. So that's what's going to happen is all these bigots are going to be talking to these politicians while meanwhile the people who are not for that and the people who want to change that are not going to be the people they're talking to. They're not going to listen to them. So how are they going to know what they think? So it'll come down to, does this politician have any kind of moral code on their own? Or are they just going to figure, oh, the constituents are all just like these random nutbags who keep calling me and they're a bunch of bigots and they want this to happen and that to happen and so on and so forth. And they've basically said they're going to run against me or they're going to not vote for me in the, the next election. So keep that in mind. Basically, I've said if you really want to counter it... <laughs> Yeah, I've actually said if you really want to deal with racists, you don't put them in positions of authority. Like you don't want them to have higher fire authority. You don't really want them working in customer service because you don't want them bothering other members of the populace. You don't want them to be able to make big decisions and allocate budgets and do things like that. You don't want them performing surgery on people. You don't want them being able to be legislators and setting the laws in. I don't know that you necessarily want them becoming attorneys and going and arguing and twisting the law in a way where it's going to work for fellow racists and them, you know? Basically, I said, if you really want to deal with it, you want to make those people do some hardcore manual labor jobs. We're talking crazy hours a day, like 12 hours a day, backbreaking manual labor. No supervisory rules, no advancement. No dealing with customers, you're just doing some kind of really crappy, really hard manual labor. They will be exhausted by the time they go home. Then they don't have time to go work out that rage. They're not going to go call the local politicians and be a pain in the ass. They're not going to have time to plan rallies. They're not going to have time to go get an arsenal. And if you pay them, you know, you put them in the, minimum, you know, the menial wage, the menial hard labor kind of jobs. It's not like they pay a bunch of money. So they're not really going to have a bunch of money to go get an arsenal. They're not going to have a lot of that time. They're going to be doing all this work. They're going to be focused on that. So that's what you want to have. 
You want people to get focused and so angry about something that, yeah, their big thing on their mind is going to be getting revenge. And it's like these politicians doing some of these laws, they don't seem to get that either. I feel like shaking some of these people and asking them, have you actually read history? Are you familiar with the French Revolution? Do you know anything about this? Because there could be an uprising and it could come after you. And it could be violent. And it will not be good for you. It will not be good for your family members. It's not good for your relatives. And we're seeing this right now as a matter of fact. We've seen politicians, their families, they're getting attacked. And I'm like, you know what? Some criminal here in New York, I'm like, why the hell have they not done that? If you really wanted to get stuff to change, go after these people. These people seem to think that crime is of no consequence, that it doesn't exist. I say challenge these people, prove them wrong. If some criminal did that, and I'm not saying that you should go and do that, but it's like, yeah, if you actually lived an experience, you should be the only people talking about it. And that kind of leads to a whole other subject of why politics suck, but that's a whole separate subject. But I don't think you even need medication. You don't even need to do that to get school shooters. It's not like you've got to worry about, oh, we're going to give them meds and it's going to make them have all these things. No, I think you can do it just by situational circumstance. You can do it just by, you know, disregarding them, not giving a shit, not bothering about how they're doing, what their day is like, what's going on, or being insincere about that shit. People don't care. And I think then people see that people don't care. And you really look at it from day to day and people don't tend to be nice to one another. In fact, I remember when I was visiting New York for the very first time in my life, it was 2002, it was a few months after 9-11, and we had nothing but kindness from people in New York. And my mom, being this woman from the South, she's like, you know, I say to my mom, you know, nobody here is rude. These people are not mean to us. They're being very nice to us. Like, if we want to know if we're going the right direction on the train, they'll tell you. They're actually concerned about your well-being. And she's like, that's because 9-11 just happened. That's why they're being nice to us. It's not because, oh, people in New York can be nice. Nah, that's her saying anyway. She said this. I'm like, nah, in my experience and living here like 15 years at this point, that's not true. Basically, people in New York are just very busy. People are very harried. They don't have time to chit-chat like they do in the South, but... People are not necessarily mean to you. I don't think it's entirely we're just going to leave you in the gutter to die. Like I think if you came to somebody and you said, hey, I need help, people will help you. I found good in this world. I definitely have found good even in random strangers in situations. That has surprised me, to be honest. And I've managed to find it in New York of all places. So it's definitely possible. And I feel like there definitely are good people in the world. And you got to show people that. I think individuals that, you know, I think individuals that are going to engage in violence and they're going to become a school shooter and do this stuff, they're not being shown that. They're not being shown that, hey, some people are not assholes in this world. Some people will be nice. Some people don't have a hidden agenda behind it. And sometimes it's even total strangers who give a shit about you. And I think part of the reason is maybe some people can see a bit of themselves in you. Or some people have gone through the same things. And the funny thing is you would think with the internet that more people would be like, hey, we'd be connecting with our other fellow freaks. We'd be connecting with other people who are in situations where we are accepted for that. But apparently that's not been the case. And it seems like things have been more polarized and you kind of have to wonder why. I mean, that's sort of a separate topic and a separate story. But basically, just telling you, my opinion, 
You're totally going to get people to do horrible things if you leave them with absolutely nothing to lose. These are people that are not going to give a shit.